And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. This is, um, it's a big day, big week, and it's going to be pretty intense over the next several days, just so everybody is is crystal clear. Uh, unfortunately, all of this excitement is because we lost some really, really good people. Uh, obviously, the tragic passing of Jack Wilarski, Zach Potts, Emma Thompson, and of course, uh, Edith Schmucker um, have devastated the community. We um, we laid everybody to rest now. I was at Zach's funeral. Got to uh, reconnect with a lot of you that I haven't spoken to in person in, in a long time. Uh, made a bumbling idiot of myself on stage. Um, got more emotional than I was expecting I was going to get. But nonetheless, uh, Zach was worth it. He was worth every single tear. Now, with that said... As I've told you from the very beginning of this, there will come a time where the political process has to ramp up and the political process must go forward. And for the record, Jackie and Zach would love this just from a strategic perspective. Um, If they were, you know, observers and not actually involved in it, this would be something that they would be very excited about. And it's going to be very exciting. But I have here's the thing. For all of the candidates out there, since I know that most, if not all of you, are tuning into this program right now, for all of the candidates out there, I'm going to have some words for all of you, because some have filed already, some have not, and we will, once we get the official paperwork in on those, we will make their announcements. I don't want to announce their names until their paperwork is filed, okay? I don't want to force them into anything that they may change their mind on. I want them to look at the field and make sure that this is something that they actually want to do and get in, get involved in for the caucuses here on the 20th. Um, there's a lot of good people that are running to take Jackie's place. Okay. And I'm already seeing some rhetoric that probably needs to calm down. Republicans and conservatives have got to stop going full thermonuclear war against each other in these types of races and in primaries. You have got to stop doing this. And I know that that's a way that you win. I understand that that's a way that you win, but I'm telling you right now, do not do permanent damage. Not to yourself by stepping over the line and not to somebody else who may very well be a major ally of yours in the future, regardless of the outcome of this race. So, I would ask everybody involved in this to temper their rhetoric because there are some very good people who've already thrown in to run for this this race. So please temper your attitudes. And I know that that's not always an easy thing to do when you're trying to win. But I have seen this countless times. I have made mention of this going back to the primary that we just had. People burn bridges. Talented people burned bridges that it's going to be very difficult for them to ever come back from. And I don't want to see that. If you are a Republican or a conservative, you should have a bench. So if you don't win this one, all right, that's fine. What's the next one? Is there a race that works out better for you? You know, get get those things in line without burning bridges. Please don't do that. Too many good people are involved in this race right now. And I'm already seeing it. Now, I I may be missing a name or two, so please forgive me if I am, all right? So we've got Stutzman involved, okay? Christy Stutzman's involved. We've got Rudy Yakum. we got Kurt Nisley. 
We got Curtis Hill. There are others that are filing or are considering filing. Um, I, I've heard that there might already be one that's already filed, and I, I'm not familiar with that individual, and I don't have all of their information, and I haven't been able to confirm that they've actually filed. So if you have additional names, please let me know. If it's official, I would happily uh, let everybody know what's what's going on. My official capacity here as radio host is neutral. Um, some of these candidates, I believe, are better than others. But my official capacity is neutral because I'm obviously not participating in, in the caucuses. I have no influence here. It's just plain and simple. Um, but, you know, you should know, I'm going to make this very clear, I have a preferred candidate. But there are good people running in this race that would frankly be really good, regardless of the, the outcome here. And there's some people in here that I don't think would be great. That's just the truth. I'm going to do my level best to remain neutral here. All right? Now, this is going to get intense. I am simply asking over the next week or so, as this process plays out, for people to not cross the line. Because too much talent here. Way too much talent here. Um, and, and frankly, when I look at the field, I see a lot of prospects for many of the individuals who have already announced going forward in other races if this doesn't pan out for them. So don't do scorched earth. Don't do nuclear war. Don't do that. All right. That's not going to get anybody anywhere. This is something that the Democrats are really good at doing that Republicans are not. The Democrats are really good at supporting each other almost no matter what. And I'm not telling you not to have spirited debates or anything like that. I'm just telling you not to cross a line. And you know what those lines are. And people, people can cross those lines. Now, with that said, I can't do this without telling you that Jackie's husband, Dean, made an endorsement. I mean, it's obviously a news story. It's imperative. Um, everybody has been asking Dean. If you ask me, unreasonably harassing Dean about who he wants to take over for his wife. And that's why it was a Thursday, I think, last week. I was telling everybody, stop, leave him alone. Let him get through this process. Let him grieve for his wife. Dean was at Zach's funeral too. A lot of people are at Zach's funeral. We're at Jackie's funeral. People are going to a lot of funerals over this past week. Okay, People are emotionally drained. Leave. Well, I shouldn't tell you now because he's, you know, we're, we're beyond that now. But last week I was telling people, let, let Dean grieve. Leave him alone. There will come a time. Today's the time. Everybody's been laid to rest. This is a Monday. We got the caucuses coming up. It's time to go. So Jackie's husband released this statement. Last week, our families and loved ones celebrated the beautiful life and legacy of my wife, Jackie Wilorski, who has returned home to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Throughout the services and time spent with her family, friends, colleagues, and constituents, I was humbled by the profound reflections and memories that many of you shared both publicly and privately about the incredible impact Jackie had on our communities, nation, and the world. She was not only my loving wife and partner of 27 years, but Jackie was a dedicated and loyal public servant who spent her entire career fighting for others. During her tenure in Congress, 
She dutifully served residents and families to strengthen Hoosier communities, create more jobs, and fight for America's military and veterans. Jackie knew who she was and always brought her passion, values, and Hoosier common sense to the table to tackle tough issues. As I mentioned last week, I am confident that Jackie would want to weigh in on her successor to ensure that our voices continue to be represented in Congress after deep reflection and deliberation. Today, I am supporting Rudy Yakum to represent the 2nd District of Indiana in Congress. Rudy has spent years working in public service alongside my beloved wife and will fight for our district to protect our faith, families, and communities. Rudy is a political outsider who has what it takes and to stand up to the Pelosi-Biden agenda. He will fight to do the right thing, but just as Jackie did every day of her career, I encourage the precinct committee, uh, committeemen to support Rudy in this week's caucus. Okay, So, as I've said before, um, I'm going to do my level best to remain neutral in all of this, but I can't do this topic without telling you who Dean endorsed. And Dean has made it very clear that he thinks that Rudy Yakum should take over the 2nd District. I realize that many of you disagree with that, and that is fine. But everybody's been asking, Dean, who do you want? Who do you want? Who do you think Jack would want? They've been harassing the man over this since the, the fateful day that we lost Jackie and Zach and Emma and, and Edith. So everybody's been waiting for it. That's the statement. That's the official statement that Dean released. They sent it out uh, to everybody in the media early today. A lot of other people made their official announcements today. Um, and I expect that there's probably going to be a couple of more people who make it official later today, maybe tomorrow. But right now, we've we've got some we've got some big names involved in all of this. And like I said, this is this is one of those things where we're all rushed. This has to happen a lot quicker than it's supposed to because of the time constraints. And everybody is a little uncomfortable. Okay, everybody's a little uncomfortable with how fast this is going. Everybody is. Everybody that I have talked to since the accident has been very uncomfortable with how fast this has to go because it almost feels like you can't catch your breath. So please understand that. I know that there's going to be a lot of people who are probably going to say this doesn't seem right, and we all get it. We all feel the exact same way. But there is a deadline that has to be met, and the Republican Party made it very clear that they didn't want to do it this early, but there's a deadline that has to be met, and this is what has to happen. So it's all very, very fast and furious here. So... Like I said before, there's some very talented, some very good people, some personal friends that are running for this thing that I I'm I know, and I'm just asking all of the candidates, just asking all of them to not cross the line. Some stuff has been right up to it <laughs> already. This you know we're we're at three o'clock on the first day here, and some stuff has been like right right up on the line. Please don't go scorched earth. Too much talent. Too many good people to burn those bridges. Please don't do that. Now, with that said, if you personally would like to weigh in on who you think would be best out of the names that I mentioned, or if there's another name that I missed that you know for sure is in this thing, please give us a call and do the pitch. I would be happy to listen to your, your conversation, happy to listen to your, your sales pitch, um, and I'll, again, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Don't burn bridges. Just make this a, a fair race that nobody wanted to have run, but the opportunity has presented itself and I'm not going to fault anybody for taking the chance. 
574-2595-953. That is 2595-953. And give us a call now. Let us know which one you would like. Again, at from what I know, Rudy Yakum, who did get Dean's endorsement. Um, we've got uh, Christy Stutzman. We've got Kurt Nisley, and we've got Curtis Hill. And there will be more, but that's who we have officially that I'm aware of right now, and there may be there may be others out there, so please let me know if there are. We've got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Uh, look, happy employees are going to be more productive employees. Nobody wants to come to work in a dirty office environment with ants. So stop keeping the cleaning crew that doesn't pick up the donuts. Go ahead and get yourself a good cleaning crew. Go to Clean Industrial Office. Have them come in and do it right. Then you'll finally understand what it's like to have a real, true, professional company come in and clean your space the way that it is supposed to be done. CleanIndustrialOffice.com. They miss anything, they'll come back, they'll take care of it for free, and they'll even bring you donuts. CleanIndustrialOffice.com. Let them know I sent you. All right. So, again, lots of uh, lots of things happening in the community, and there's going to be a fair amount of local stuff sprinkled in with everything else today. Um, I did want to take some time. We mentioned last week that this was probably going to happen. It did happen. The St. Joseph uh, VA Clinic has been renamed after Jackie Wolarski. The Veterans Affairs Clinic in Mishawaka is now named the Jackie Wolarski VA Clinic after the uh, late House representative and congresswoman. The Indiana State Delegation in D.C. introduced the resolution last week. It was bipartisan to rename the St. Joseph Department of Veterans Affairs Clinic. And on Friday, the bill, H.R. 8656, did pass. According to the news release from U.S. Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana's 3rd District, the bipartisan bill passed unanimously, and Banks said that the, in the release that the feeling was bittersweet. And I can imagine it would be bittersweet. Um, so some good news there. Um, it's a great way to... Uh, to honor Jackie Wolarski. There's some other stuff apparently happening that, um, you know, may honor some people as well. Okay. So, um, I, not, not a ton. I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to pitch your candidate, and that's fine uh, if you wanted to do that, but not a ton more to really cover beyond just reading their, their statements on everybody who has announced uh, as more people become official in the, the announcement of running for the second district seats. I will certainly let you all know that they became official. And um, yeah, so like I said, it's going to be very intense week. No doubt about that. All right. Let's, let's deal with, I, I guess we might as we might as well just deal with this. I, I got a call on Friday and, and, and I got it. I got to admit, I was heading into the weekend. I wasn't feeling very good. I, I was, you know, I, I knew that I had a funeral over the weekend. It was not happy about it. Um, but we had Mike Castellan on the program before. Now he's he's running for St. Joseph County Assessor. We had him on the program, and he was being accused of not living in the district, in spite of living in the district for a very long time and currently serving in an official capacity within the district and everything else. 
And the Democratic Party was trying to get him off of the ballot because his wife has a property in Florida. And they were trying to say that that was their primary residence. It's not their primary residence, but I I digress. So I, I got the word that not only did the Democrats fail in their attack on Mike Castellan this last week, but <laughs> his legal team turned it around on the Democratic candidate who only moved into the district right before this race to qualify for running for assessor. So so the Democrats were accusing the Republican of being a carpetbagger, even though he's been here forever, while the Democrat is a carpetbagger. This, I mean, it's just, it's hysterical. And like I said, you know, the, the local Democratic Party in St. Joseph County, they have a long, rich history of moving people into the district to try and win races uh, right before the election. So it, it was... We joked about it with Mike Castellan on the show. It's like, it's kind of funny that you guys would, you know, basically be accused of this considering how many times they've done it to other candidates. So anyway, here's the story from Real News Michiana. A Democrat attempt to remove the Republican candidate for St. Joseph County assessor from the November ballot went down in flames on Friday. The St. Joseph County Election Board voted unanimously in favor of Republican candidate Mike Castellan while dashing the hopes of Democrat Ted Booker who brought the frivolous complaint. And as we, we ended up saying, the amazing switcheroo ended up happening here. Booker essentially presented several social media posts made by Castellon while he was on vacation in Florida, attempting to prove Castellon was living out of state. So God forbid you went to your vacation property in Florida and took photos of it. Um, this is the thing. Castellon serves in an official capacity in the county. And he has for a long time. He doesn't live in Florida. This is one of the most absurd things ever. They were concerned, though. I mean, we talked with Castellan privately. He was concerned that, you know, look, uh, there might be an issue with uh, political bias here. And who knows how they're going to go. We'll challenge it if if they go the wrong way. So anyway, uh, Castellan lives in St. Joseph County. However, he and his wife do own property in Florida. His wife has claimed the Florida home as her primary residence and filed for a homestead exemption in her name, which is, again, 100% legal. We went over the tax ramifications of that uh, previously. We had uh, Mike Castellan on the program. Castellan frequently visits the Florida home for vacation and for weekends. With multiple dates, it does appear, at least to me, that you were down there for long stretches of time during the months in question, Booker said. (laughs) So, So I wasn't aware... That I wasn't allowed to take vacation, Castellan responded. <laughs> so you got you got the Democrat Booker. He's like, well, I mean, it appears that you spend long, you know, large amounts of time in Florida. Castellan's like, what? I can't go on vacation, dude. <laughs> With that said, often I would leave maybe on a Thursday and come back on a Sunday, which are typical travel days for anybody who travels. You leave on Thursday. Anyway, uh, dates in January, March, and April. You're characterizing that as vacation time and not time at your Florida home with your family, Booker said. Castellan responded, I think what that would say is what I do on my weekends is irrelevant. (laughs) But I said, one of the funniest things about this is that they ended up turning the tables on Booker. Booker moved into the district right before the filing deadline. He, he He doesn't even own any property in the district. It's, I mean, this is just laughable. Now, for the record, 
from everything that I've seen, Booker is legally qualified to run for assessor in St. Joseph County. It's just that he moved there specifically to run for this race right before the filing deadline while attacking his Republican opponent as being somebody who doesn't live in the district when he himself didn't live into the district until right before the filing deadline. Booker also attempted to railroad Castellan's candidacy by bringing up the fact that Castellan only owns an empty lot of land and not a home in St. Joseph County. He also brought up that the lot was purchased by Castellan from another Republican. However, Booker doesn't own any property in St. Joseph County himself. In fact, Booker only moved into St. Joseph County from Elkhart County one month before the eligibility requirements to file for his intent to run for office. I mean, this is just one of the most hysterical things ever. I thought it was just funny that the Democrats were making this play to begin with. We had Mike Castellan in studio to talk about this because they have done this so many times. In fact, they did it to Jackie Wilarski on more than one occasion. But the local Democratic Party got busted, had it completely turned on him, and just like that, Ted Booker looks like he's the one who doesn't actually live in the district. He does, but he only moved here to run for this race, so he's the carpetbagger. Mike Castellan's been here forever. Anyway, we got uh, more coming up. MNC News time is 3.33. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. To the phone lines we go. Ben, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Casey? It's going well, dude. All right. So I just wanted to comment on who my favorite candidate was to replace Jackie. Okay. Well, um, this is probably unpopular. I don't care. I got my opinions. And I'm a big fan of former Attorney General Curtis Hill. Okay. Um, my, my main reason for being a fan of his is during COVID, his performance. He had our back during COVID while Comrade Holcomb was busy trying to be on the Dollar General version of Gretchen Whitmer. Um, he actually stood up to him with all these mandates, trying to all these lockdowns. He did everything in his power to keep freedoms, even though it wasn't that popular. I uh, we lost you, Ben. All right, hold Ben, I got to let you go. We lost you, man. Your phone went all garbly gook. All right, so Ben Ben likes likes Curtis. And here's here's the thing. Look, I know Curtis. Most of you know that I know Curtis. Um, good guy. Like his family a lot. Um, got to see Curtis and, and actually many of the other candidates as well over the weekend. Um you know, Curtis is a, a very interesting choice. I was a little surprised that he actually ran for this one, to be honest with you. Um, I thought his aspirations were elsewhere, but, um, you know, he's got a lot of fans here locally. He really does. And you're, I, don't think, uh, I don't think you're alone, Ben. I really don't. So it would be interesting to see what ends up happening here. But no shortage of, of very good candidates uh, running to, uh, to take over the, uh, the second district seat. No shortage at all. So I wanted to tell everybody about this. This is an old story that I have covered since it broke. And I know it doesn't involve a local politician, but I think that this is imperative that everybody kind of understand this. Do you remember Roy Moore? Roy Moore was a candidate for Senate in Alabama. And at one point in time, that was the biggest race in the country, and everybody was talking about that race. And what we ended up 
finding out is there was this, you know, the media demonized Roy Moore and there's a whole bunch of stuff that were involved in. I'll go over here in just a second when I when I read from the article. But he was he was demonized as all sorts of things, including a Russian agent and all of that stuff. None of it made any sense. Well, there has been there has been an award in his defamation case against Democrats who were funded by George Soros. And he won $8.2 million in that defamation case. And I told you, pay attention to this. You need to go on offense. When people slander you like this and people lie about you, go on offense. And he did. And he's got $8.2 million in that uh, that victory here. The Democrat Senate Majority Pact, which is bankrolled by George Soros, has been found liable for a defamation against Alabama GOP candidate Roy Moore related to ads that it ran against his 2017 campaign for U.S. Senate, and was ordered by a federal jury to pay $8.2 million in damages. The victory over the Soros-funded Senate Majority PAC, which exclusively bankrolls the campaigns of Democrat candidates, comes after the PAC meddled in Alabama's 2017 special U.S. Senate race between Republican candidate Roy Moore and Democrat Doug Jones. In that race, Democrats and left-wing activists from around the country descended on Alabama in an effort to capture the deep red state's open U.S. Senate seat using bottom-of-the-barrel dirty politics and outright lies in the process. And it was one of the ugliest things that I had ever seen. So anyway, together with corporate media and the GOP establishment who crossed over to support Democrat Doug Jones in mass to avoid electing an America First candidate like Roy Moore, the Senate Majority PAC promoted unfounded claims that Moore had been a sexual predator a number of decades prior. Now, the allegations, which were monetized by far-left feminist attorney Gloria Allred, notably never surfaced until Roy Moore sought a U.S. Senate seat that Democrats desperately wanted to control, despite his lifetime of service in the public eye, including as a judge. And this was one of those things where it was like, you know, once again, you've got somebody out here who's been in the public light, been very prominent in their community, Nobody has ever had a bad thing to say about him, just like Justice Kavanaugh. Nobody's ever had a negative thing to say about this individual. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Democratic Party is like, this person is a sexual predator. And they were accusing him of raping several people all those years ago. None of it was true. It was all a lie. The fake news story broke by way of Alabama gossip blog. That was their way of plausible deniability. And corporate media outlets like the Washington Post ran with it, adding more phenomenal fake details the whole time. As the 2017 Alabama Senate campaign unfolded, the Soros-funded Senate Majority PAC funneled a whopping $4 million to a shell group called Highway 31 to run anti-Moore attack ads based on the phony story throughout Alabama. In the ads, Democrats falsely accused Moore of preying on young girls at a local mall stringing statements from multiple parties together to paint an image that they wanted to paint in order to swing the Senate, the Senate race to the left. So it was, it was all a lie. Now, one point in time, I wonder if this even covers this. I don't even know if it does. Uh, Let's see. It, It doesn't appear to cover this in this particular article, but at one point in time, he was accused of having only Russian support that nobody actually liked Roy Moore. Do you remember this? And this was this was a huge, huge thing. So he had been asked about this. He's like, everybody who is supporting you on Twitter appears to be a Russian bot. 
In other words, it was the Russian government, it was Vladimir Putin, who's another Trump-Russia collusion conspiracy that were pushing his campaign. And it was funny because he was asked about this, and they're like, uh, these Russian bots are promoting your campaign on Twitter. What do you have to say about that? And he said, do you remember? He goes, it's the Democrats who are doing that. I got no Russians supporting me. And they called that a conspiracy theory. Do you remember what we learned? Anyone? Bueller? That's right. They were actually Democrat-purchased bots and Democrat-run bots that were specifically designed to look like Russian bots. Do you remember when that came out? So the Democrats created bots on Twitter to support Roy Moore, but made them look like they were Russian bots, so then they could artificially create, sound familiar? They could artificially create the story that Roy Moore was only being promoted by Russian bots and that nobody actually liked him. Because he was a sexual predator. These were all lies. The Democrats created fake bots that disguised themselves as Russian bots to make it seem like Putin was interfering in that race. And it was a complete and total sham. It was a complete and total lie. It got uncovered. He was right. Nobody apologized to him. And I'm willing to bet that nobody's going to apologize to him here even though he's won an $8.2 million lawsuit for defamation after they lied about him repeatedly. Go on offense. When they lie about you, you sue them. This is the right course of action. I hope he gets every every single penny. He probably won't get any, but I hope he gets every penny. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Hey everybody, Casey Hendrickson here for Faber's B Window. Getting new windows for your home is going to be one of the best investments in your property that you can make. Not only are you going to save money because your power bill is going to go down, but also you're going to reduce noise pollution, increase curb appeal, which of course increases the value and desirability of your house if you ever go to sell it. And if you're doing a remodel, getting new windows is a big big step towards making sure you get maximum value when you sell that house after the remodeling is done. Go to Faber's B Window right now. They don't just do windows. They do tons of other great services too. And right now, there's some the sizzling summer sale is all products up to 40% off plus up to $2,000 in energy saving credit. You can also get 15 years unsecured financing up to $100,000 or 22 months, no interest and no payments. And this is not a government tax rebate. Learn all about it at bwindow.com. Let them know I sent you. All right, right before I get back to the uh, the phone lines here, I still got some people want to chat, talk about their preferred candidate, take over the District 2 seat. This is a story from December of 2018. Democratic operatives created fake Russian bots designed to link Kremlin to Roy Moore in Alabama race. Democrat operatives, backed by a liberal billionaire and facilitated by a former Obama official, created thousands of fake Russian accounts to give an impression the Russian government was supporting Alabama Republican Roy Moore on last in last year's election against uh, now Senator Doug Jones. The secret project, which had a budget of just $100,000, was carried out on Facebook and Twitter, and it was revealed after the New York Times obtained an internal report detailing the efforts. Quote, We orchestrated an elaborate false flag operation that planted the idea that the Moore campaign was amplified on social media by a Russian botnet. That's what the internal report actually said. 
It also took credit for radicalizing Democrats with a Russian bot scandal after experimenting with many of the tactics now understood to have influenced the 2016 elections. So, friendly reminder, a lot of the Russian narrative stuff is a Democrat conspiracy against their political opponents, just like Trump-Russia collusion was. So, just remember that. Now, here's the thing. If Roy Moore runs again, he's got this story that the fake accounts were used against him, and he's got winning over $8 million in a defamation suit where they falsely accused him of preying on young girls. Could be effective if he ever chooses to run again. I'm not saying he will, but could be effective. All right, back to the phone lines we go. Doug, welcome to the program. Hi, Casey. Hi there. Um, This kind of segues right into what you're talking about, these false accusation things. Now, I love your show, but MNC um, uh, News News. I think it really did a disservice to Curtis Hill. You know, they announced that he was running for the spot. And, uh, you know, instead of just saying, you know, for, former Attorney General Curtis Hill, they, they, they announced it as Curtis Hill, who was accused of sexual misconduct by several women. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's patently unfair. Where it, I don't know. I don't have that great of a memory, but I don't, I don't remember that, that his, those accusations were proven by anybody. Yeah. Why do they have to tail him to his name? There was a there's a political process that was associated to it, not a legal one. That's a that's a fair point to make. Yeah. Well, I just think it's patently unfair. I mean, a lot of times I have to turn off the MNC local um, um, uh, news when I'm listening to your show because they drive me crazy. Okay. And I turn it back oh. when I know you're coming back. On. <laughs> are you are you supporting Curtis then? Do you think Curtis is the guy? Or do you just just had a comment about that? I just had a comment about that. I think it's unfair. Okay. Um, I would support him, but there's there's other people in that have their hat in the race too that I wouldn't be opposed to. Yeah, a lot them, of good uh, people have have thrown their name in the hat. I mean, no no doubt about that. And and I agree with you totally on that. Yeah. You know, but I just think it's unfair for them to like tack that accusation stuff onto him every time his name is mentioned. I mean, that's terrible. I think, in in my view. All right, I will let them know. All right, Doug. Appreciate the call, man. All right, thank you. You bet. I mean, they will ignore me, (laughs) but I will let them know. (laughs) I'm happy to let them know. Uh, What do we have here? Okay, so (laughs) it's going to be a fun five days. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, the circumstances as to why we're here, not so good, but it's going to be a very interesting five days. Like I said, I'm just hoping that nobody crosses the line. Liz Cheney is still down more than 25 points. And Liz Cheney made a statement last week that has got her in trouble again. So Liz Cheney went out there and said that she will do anything and everything to prevent Trump from ever running for office again. Thought you were supposed to be uh, finding the truth on the January 6th committee there. Thought it wasn't about uh, fulfilling a predetermined outcome. That it was supposed to be about getting to the truth and, and everything else. And it's okay for her to have those feelings, but if you're going to go out there and you're going to say that, it doesn't look good considering you're supposed to be handling something in a non-biased way. We know it's not a non-biased uh, hearing. We understand that. But as we highlighted last week, too, the polls, the polls have shown that actually it has backfired. And more of the public now believes that he had nothing to do with it. 
And I do want to remind everybody of something because I know that this is you know one of those things that kind of gets um, kind of gets forgotten about. But let's just let's just go back to the actual criminal investigation. Uh, this is uh, August of 2021. The FBI has found no evidence that Trump or his allies organized the Capitol riot. Cool. Investigation over. That was that was it. The FBI looked at it, and the FBI found absolutely no evidence of this whatsoever, and Congress decided to do the political thing and hold a banana court, and that's what it is. It's a banana court. I don't care if you don't like Trump. I don't care what your position is on any of that. It's a banana court. They won't even allow people to see what information they're going to ask them about before they go into it. They're not allowing any exculpatory uh, information. That was actually something that Liz Cheney said on TV a couple of weeks back. She was asked about, are you going to start letting some of this potentially exculpatory information make it to the hearing? And she said she wasn't interested in paraphrasing, wasn't interested in giving Trump a, a you know platform to be able to, to you know change the narrative or change people's perspective or whatever it was she said. It was um, not been not been good for her. Like I said, I do not... Do not think it is beyond the realm of possibility that she runs for office as a Democrat. Maybe in the second district. More coming up. 95.3 MNC. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Oh, man. A lot of little stories out there that mean a lot. We're going to get to those as well. want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Don't forget, you can follow me online, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Watch the live stream there. You can also watch the live stream at btmedia.news. That is my new website, which includes a free social network and a news aggregator and the daily show prep and the podcasts and tons of other cool stuff, including a uh, merch store. So a lot of people have been asking for merch. So we got that. New things are coming. Going to probably release limited edition Shirts and things like that. My microphone is gone. What happened? Microphone is gone. I'm toast. I am no longer famous because nobody can hear my glorious voice. What is happening? Gremlins. Gremlins? I hear nothing. Gremlins? No. No gremlins. No. No sound. No sound at all. Hmm? I don't know. Can they still hear me or am I totally toast? Do we know? I don't know. Okay. I'm going to pretend that you all can hear me, and uh, I'm going to tell you that I don't think worms get enough respect, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, worms, they, they grind up compost and a bunch of other stuff, and, and nobody seems to love... love. No, they're telling me that there's no sound. We're, there's no sound. Uh, Trisha is to blame, apparently. So go to commercial break if you can go to break. You can't play any music or something like that? Um, Deep breath. You're okay. Deep breath. If you can play music... No, I can't. Okay. We're fried. I don't know what to do. Call John. John will get it, get it working. It's okay. You still got to call him. We don't have an engineer to call, so you got to call John. John will be able to do it. He'll tell you exactly what needs to happen. So he might even have a dead air alarm going off on his phone right now. So he might even be aware. <clears throat> we are working on it. I'm just going to go back to, I'm going to go back to, uh, to this microphone. So you all can at least hear me. We got a gremlin 
messing with the system. Board is... <laughs> so we are trying to uh, get a hold of John right now to fix the uh, fix the board. Now, when this happened last time, what did he tell you to do? I, I just flipped over to your, to your Mac. Okay. Are you... Is that in, what, next gen or RCS or... No, uh, next gen. Next gen, okay. Which I did. Okay. It's RCS is next gen. Let me see if I can pull up next gen. Uh, don't think I have. Um, here we go. Now you should be back. All right. Can anybody hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I don't know that anybody can hear. Yeah, there we go. All right. Cool. Looks like we're uh, looks like we're back at it, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe not. Are we not? Hold on, let me flip over here. I don't know, man. I don't see any. I don't see anything. All right, uh, for everybody out there on the live stream, let me know if, if things are good. I'm not actually sure if this is going out over the air or not. I don't know. So if you all clear. Okay, looks like we might be good to go. All right, just wanted to, we had a bit of a gremlin kind of pop up in there, folks. Sorry about that. So just want to make sure that... Uh, you all can hear me. Usually the live stream is my immediate feedback because now they cannot hear. Okay, so I, I'm not hearing anything in my head, so I can't, like, adjust the volume in my in my head, so I'm not exactly sure if they can hear me or not. All right, let me go ahead and do this. Let me see if I can make this work here. All right. Um... Line in. This will help me. So let's just do system sound on that. Yeah. Something's going through, but it's really, really low. Hmm. All right. Yeah. There was something going, but it was like yeah, really, I, really low. I evidently forgot to hit save go. Polly to the rescue. When we got to, uh, Come on, Mr. KOMP. Let's do this. Wait, you're not a KOP. What am I saying? You were never a comp, were you? Right now is dead air, but I'm live. I'm, I'm talking to the live stream. <laughs> but I'm not talking to anybody on the radio. This has happened hey. once. Hey, I think I can hear myself. Hold on. Are we back? Are we not? No, maybe no, we're not. No, we're yeah, not. I, 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 yeah, I think we're back. Mr. Mr. Extreme Radio. Hey, if you can hear this right now, can you just call the radio station and let us know that you can hear me? Because <laughs> why? Okay. Why is it? Hold on. We got nuked. We got nuked and we added 100 people to the live stream. <laughs> So what is that about? I don't. <laughs> we appear to we appear to be on the air again. So I don't uh, I don't know what what happened there, ladies and gentlemen. We had a we had a gremlin kind of take over the this the station. But I mean, maybe they were named Trisha. I don't know. But I do find it very interesting. I talk about a Democrat conspiracy and Liz Cheney, and then all of a sudden uh, nobody can hear me. I do find that very interesting. 
Um, and I was just trying to go into a, a, a nice little thing about how worms are underrated as creatures and nobody gives them uh, any respect. So, so uh, hat tip to Polly. Thank you, sir. Polly came in and, and saved the day. Polly and I, true story, Polly and I used to work for the same company in Las Vegas at the same time. <laughs> so, small radio world. We apologize about that. All right. We, uh, we are good to go now, so I do apologize about that. I'll try and figure out where in the world I was actually going. There we go. Okay, we were talking about Alec Baldwin. So Alec Baldwin's a murderer, and I told you that Alec Baldwin was a murderer. Now, for context, this is the reason that this is important. This is the reason this is important, okay? So what you're saying is not on Rumble now? Uh, okay, we'll try and fix Rumble. Give me, give me a, give me a few minutes. I'll do my best to fix Rumble. But the reason that this is important is because Alec Baldwin told everybody. Okay, Alec Baldwin told everybody that he did not squeeze the trigger. He did not pull the trigger when he shot those two people and killed that woman on set. He didn't pull the trigger. Right? He drew the gun. He brought the hammer back. When the hammer went forward, it fired. Remember? That's what Alec Baldwin said. And what did I tell you? Do you remember that? Ben doesn't remember because Ben was not here when Alec Baldwin committed murder on a set of the movie Rust. What ended up happening is, I told you the model gun that he was using, it is physically impossible for that gun to fire the way that Alec Baldwin said it would fire. You remember that? And then numerous, numerous other firearms experts came out and said the exact same thing. And then you had a cop, one guy, don't know what this person's credentials are, going, no, it's totally possible that could happen with this gun. And everybody else is like, mm, no, don't think so. But you do you, do the investigation and see what we get. Hey, guess what? Uh, Alec Baldwin pulled, pulled the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know that. We told you that. This was one of those things where you had the news media going out there and saying, Alec Baldwin didn't pull the trigger. It's a, it's a conspiracy theory. Not a conspiracy theory. Alec Baldwin pulled the trigger. The FBI has reportedly concluded that the gun involved in the death last October of cinematographer uh, Helena Hutchins must have been fired by the actor Alec Baldwin despite his claim to the contrary. Because again, that particular firearm cannot fire the way that he said it fired. It can only fire if you squeeze the trigger. All right, so apologize for the technical glitches. We'll go into more details on this coming up in just a couple of minutes on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Hey everybody, Casey Hendrickson here, Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Back at it. All right, let's go over the Alec Baldwin thing. If you're just tuning in, because of the chaos, if you're just tuning in, Alec Baldwin told everybody that he did not squeeze the trigger. He pulled the gun out of his holster, which he wasn't supposed to be doing at the time anyway. Uh, according to uh, to people who were on set, he was not supposed to be doing this. He pulled the gun out of the holster. He cocked the hammer back, but he did not squeeze the trigger. Now, that's what he said. We all knew that that was not true. We knew that that wasn't true because this particular firearm can't fire that way. And you also knew because there was video that was released on set of him practicing this draw. Do you remember? And what was happening when he was practicing that draw? He was squeezing the trigger. 
But he tried to tell you that he didn't squeeze the trigger. But he did. The FBI has concluded their investigation. Accidental discharge testing determined that the firearm used in the shooting, a Colt 45, which is a 45 long Colt caliber, Pieta, okay, single action revolver, could not have fired without the trigger being pulled. I'm sorry, did, didn't a radio host tell you this like a long time ago? Who's that cop who said I was wrong? Who's that guy? That guy should probably not handle the armory at his local department. It's probably paid off by Alec Baldwin to say that. Not that that could ever happen, ladies and gentlemen. With the hammer in the quarter and a half cock position, the gun could not be made to fire without a pull of the trigger, according to the report, which is what I told you, which is what numerous other firearms experts told you. There was one police officer like, no, no, it's totally possible. Uh, with the hammer fully cocked, the gun could not be made to fire without a pull of the trigger while the working internal components were intact and functional. Hashtag told you. With the hammer decocked on a loaded chamber, the gun was able to detonate a primer without a pull of the trigger when the primer was struck directly, which is normal for this type of revolver, the, the uh, report said. In other words, Alec Baldwin pulled the trigger either by accident or on purpose of the gun that killed Hutchins as they are uh, they were recording the since uh, suspended film Rust on location in New Mexico last October. This finding contradicts Baldwin's long-maintained claim that he did not pull the trigger. The trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. I would never point a gun at anybody and pull a trigger on them. Never, he said in an interview with George Snuffleupagus on ABC News. Surprisingly, Alec Baldwin is a liar. And this should be shocking to exactly nobody. If you know anything about Alec Baldwin, all he does is lie. That's all he does. And I don't just mean because he's an actor. I mean, the guy lies all the time. He's a pathological liar. His wife is fake Hispanic. She got that fake accent. Crying out loud. Anyway. Uh, according to ABC News, the forensic report is part of a criminal homicide investigation into the onset shooting. The homicide investigation is reportedly being conducted by the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office. Um, look, at, at the very least, I mean, this is negligent homicide. Um, manslaughter. I don't know what charges apply in New Mexico, but this is this is egregious mishandling of a firearm. Uh, we, we told you that from the very beginning. If you handle a firearm in the appropriate manner, there is no way, no way at all that this happens. And this is a real problem. Now, considering that you have the armorer who initially, and, and I still have some questions about, but initially I was like, mm, there's some problems with the armorer. Ultimately, it's Alec Baldwin's fault. He's the guy that did it. He pointed the gun at a human being. He pulled the trigger. That's his responsibility, period. End of story. If anybody else does it, they're in big trouble. But the armor I had some initial real complaints about based on some of the things that were being said. Turns out a lot of those things were not accurate. It turns out that people did things uh, without her knowledge, which is against the rules. She is supposed to be in complete control of these firearms, and yet people did things without her knowing about it, which led to this accident. Alec Baldwin was rehearsing in a way that he was not supposed to be doing, according to the script supervisor. He was doing things on set at that moment that he was not supposed to be doing. And he didn't have the appropriate supervision 
while he was doing it. Now, I don't, this is not one of those cases where he was, he was given a firearm and it malfunctioned and went off and tragically took the life of an innocent person and wounded somebody else. It's not a situation like that. Multiple steps along the way. Alec Baldwin's own negligence led to her death and led to somebody else being shot, by the way. Two people were, were shot by Alec Baldwin. And the armorer has now filed a lawsuit. The script supervisors filed a lawsuit. They've got very, very interesting things to say about Alec Baldwin and how he was conducting himself. There had already been a firearm mishap on the set of this movie a couple of days before. Death was caused by a gunshot wound to the chest. Review of available law enforcement reports shows no compelling demonstration that the firearm was intentionally loaded with live ammunition on set. Based on all available information, including the absence of obvious intent to cause harm or death, the manner of death is best classified as accident, according to a post-mortem report, which was reviewed by ABC News. Um, And again, accident, yes, but if negligence leads to the death of somebody, and we... I believe that there's clear negligence here. I think most firearm owners believe that there's clear negligence here. Most firearm experts believe that there was negligence here. Most people in Hollywood who handle sets and firearms on sets believe that there was negligence here. And you culminate all of the things that went wrong, and you have not just Alec Baldwin, but several people before him who are responsible for Mrs. Hutchins' death. Despite this classification, Baldwin reportedly could still face charges, and to hear some of his colleagues tell it, he probably should. So, again, a lot of people want uh, who worked on that movie were like, this guy needs to go. And there are several other actors, too, that uh, have said, look, there's a, there's a way that we handle firearms on set, and he didn't do any of the things that you were supposed to do. This is what you teach children. And this is what happens when you have a rabid anti-gun activist like Alec Baldwin who refuses to look at firearms refuse, in a real way, refuses to study them, refuses to know the laws or, or learn how to properly handle them. This is somebody who doesn't have respect for something because he doesn't truly understand it. And he violated every basic fundamental tenet of safety with firearms that you could possibly think of. When you hand a toy gun to your child, what is the first thing that you tell them? Do not point this at anyone. That is the rule. Period. For any gun, you don't point it at him. And he pointed it at her. And he pulled the trigger. He lied about it. And he took her life. And her little boy doesn't have a mom anymore. And her husband doesn't have a wife. That is a fact. And then when he was asked point blank during an interview, proving that he is in fact a sociopath. And a lot of people were thinking that I was a little bit too harsh on him, but I had a couple of people kind of reach out to me like, after I heard that interview, Casey, I think you might be right. When he was asked if he had any, any regrets or remorse about this, he said no, because it wasn't his fault. Anybody who accidentally takes the life of another human being would be mortified and distraught. And he said, I have no guilt. I have no guilty conscience about this. I have no remorse. I didn't mean to do it. 
That's a sociopath. Anybody who accidentally kills somebody would be absolutely torn to pieces about it. What did he and his family do? Ah, they went out, of the, went out of the country, went on vacation. They did some shopping, though. So that was nice. I think it was with Spain. They did some shopping in Spain. And then he got really mad that people were like, what are you doing here shopping? Like, why are you, why are you out here shopping? You just killed somebody. And he lost his cool, remember? Lost his cool. MNC News Time is 4.30. It's time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. Let them know I sent you. All right. Stanford epidemiologist is saying that the new CDC COVID-19 guidance is the agency admitting that it was wrong. We went over that guidance last week, and I basically said, yep, tried telling y'all. Now, again, friendly reminder, everything the CDC is now saying about COVID-19 and admitting to were all things that people like me, not just me, but people like me, were telling you a long time ago, and we were attacked for being conspiracy theorists and misinformation peddlers and and what have you. There's a reason that I played the interview, well, the debate, the discussion, the panel that I was on on News Nation, because the two other ladies who were there, they spread misinformation, they spread lies, and then they accuse you of doing it. It is very Orwellian. You know what? I got to play you something. Actually, I got to find it during the uh, during the commercial break. Nancy Pelosi, an old thing that Nancy Pelosi said. We used to play it on the show all the time. I haven't played it in a while. I think I still have it, uh, but I have to go look. The new Center for Disease Control and Prevention COVID nineteen guidance is the agency acknowledging that it was wrong in the past two in the past to downplay natural immunity and promote unprecedented policies like asymptomatic testing, according to a California epidemiologist. The new guidance was released on August 11th, which we went over last week, rescinds and alters a number of key recommendations, including treating unvaccinated and vaccinated people differently for many purposes, explicitly stating that people with previous infection have protection against severe illness and removing the six-foot social distancing advice, which always was a load of crap. Let's go back to week one of the pandemic hitting the country in March, right? I know it was here before March, but March was when it was bad. Okay, it was the first month that it started getting bad. Simultaneously, I kept pointing this out to you. Simultaneously, they were telling you that six feet would work while telling you one person sneezing at the front of a grocery store would infect the entire store. And again, that's the difference between droplet spread and aerosolized spread. If it is spread through droplets, okay, and not aerosolized, a six-foot distance can certainly help. A mask can certainly help. If it's aerosolized, if it is an airborne illness, none of that matters because those airborne particles can actually stay afloat almost indefinitely depending on the conditions. There's nothing you can do about it. It ain't, it's, no mask is going to keep you from getting infected It's going to get in your eyes anyway. It's going to get through that stupid mask of yours. The only way to protect yourself is with a full face, actual respirator designed for chemical and biological and nuclear conflict. That's the only thing that's going to help you. 
You remember when we had that listener call up and they worked at a, I think it was a grocery store locally, and they're like, yeah, they're making us put the mask back on, and I told them to put the full NBC mask on, walk in with a foot, you can get them, you know, get them for 20, 30 bucks. You can get good ones for more than that, but you can get like the old Israeli ones or the East German ones or something like that for 20 or $30. You walk in there with that full face shield around you, that rubberized mask and that canister on the end of it, and you watch how fast that employee or that employer told him to take that off. You watch, because it isn't about protecting anybody. This is... This is yet another example of the so-called experts basically saying that they were wrong and everybody else was right. And I, yeah, I'm going to gloat a little bit only because of the people who attacked people like me. Not because I like this. This This always was stupid. The idea that we would have to get into an argument with our public health officials in the middle of a crisis about what does and does not work The fact that people who are supposed to keep you safe and give you good information have now admitted to withholding information from you because they didn't want you to see it. The fact that they lied to you. All to control behavior. The CDC is admitting that it was wrong here, although they won't put it in those words, says Dr. Jay Batakaraya, professor of medicine at Stanford University School of Medicine. Um, who has been, previous to COVID, one of the leading experts in infectious disease in the entire world. COVID hits, suddenly he's considered a kook by everybody. What they'll say is that, well, the population is more immunized now, has more natural immunity now, and now is the time. The science has changed. The science has not changed. The science is exactly the same. They always say the science has changed. No, the science is the same. We, don't, we haven't discovered anything new. We haven't learned anything new. Just like when Fauci was flip-flopping on masks and everything else. Well, the science has changed. And I kept asking people repeatedly, what study came out that now supports his change in position on masks? Because one wasn't released. So what science has changed? And the answer was, there wasn't any science that changed. The science is always the same. Going back to 2007, the science on masks has been exactly the same. A large percentage of the U.S. population has had natural immunity or protection from prior infection. The doctor noted while over 80% of the elderly population had protection from severe disease from COVID-19 vaccines, previous infection, or both since 2021. This is two years too late. However, he said, it is a good step. It's only a good step because the ability for them to do harm now is minimal. But it is two years too late. And a lot of people got hurt. A lot of people. There are school districts in this country that are out there requiring five-year-olds to get vaccinated when the vaccine is more dangerous to them than the virus is. And even if they do get the virus... Adults around them, because that was the other thing they used to say, you know, well, if the kids get it, they might give it to the adults, and the adults are the ones who are in danger. It's not, the, it's not about the kids. But then we found out the vaccine doesn't prevent infection, doesn't even slow it down. God, it, it's, it barely does anything for you. This is, um, this is a sad day. And I know that a lot of people are like, 
victory lap type stuff, and, and I understand that. I truly do. But this is a sad day because, once again, you have the experts that everybody turns to in a crisis admitting they were wrong and your entire life got screwed up because of the mistakes that they made in spite of there being evidence to the contrary of what they were telling you. And I feel like I need to hearken back to the swine flu. The swine flu epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, under Obama, was a giant nothing burger, and it was marketed to scare everybody. Everybody. You know, in a couple of weeks, you heard swine flu, swine flu, swine flu, and then it started showing up in the United States, and I was like, all right, I'm going to just take a look at this thing, and went to the CDC's website. I was just a radio host in Las Vegas at the time, went to the CDC's website, and I'm like, wait a minute. Less people are dying from the swine flu than the seasonal flu, according to the CDC's own data. Why are they pushing swine flu, fear porn, everywhere? What is going on here? Started asking those questions. It wasn't because I just want to go against the system for the sake of going against the system. doesn't make any sense. There are some people who do that. It's not me. Most of you have been listening to the show for a long time. You know full well that that's not me. But that was the data with swine flu. And it took two years after the swine flu pandemic ended without really doing anything to anybody. Although our young people were much more susceptible to that pandemic than they were to COVID. And it took the World Health Organization over two years to finally admit, yeah, that whole swine flu pandemic thing that we told you about, yeah, kind of like, you know, wasn't really a big deal. We're sorry about that. And it was just glossed over. Just absolutely glossed over. And so what was the motivation behind it? Was the motivation to force people into, you know, more H1N1 vaccinations? And I'm not saying there's anything nefarious with the vaccines, okay? Let's just, let's just for the sake of argument, let's just say that it was purely a behavioral thing to force people into getting vaccines by scaring them to death. Let's just say that's what the swine flu pandemic was and maybe even what COVID was. Although there's a lot more involved with COVID. If that's all it was, what a horrendous abuse of power. The idea that they could be so wrong and lie to you so much. And what did they what did they do here? Monkeypox doing the same thing. Monkeypox trying to scare everybody to death. Did you see that uh, cruise lines late last week? Cruise lines are now not doing pre-cruise COVID testing anymore. No vaccine requirements, no pre-cruise COVID testing. You can just board a cruise like you could before COVID. While they're still trying to push this new variant of COVID and monkeypox. Although, I'm just going to throw this out there because I'm concerned for your well-being. If you happen to be a gay man, maybe don't go on a gay man cruise right now. May not be in your best interest to be in that environment with monkeypox. Casey, that's homophobic. No, I'm trying to keep them from catching the disease because right now that's all who's getting it. Only in America, in our hyper-politicized society, can you say, gay men, maybe don't do this. I don't want to see you get infected with this disease can only be seen as some form of a hate crime by crazy people. If it were children, I'd be saying the same thing about kids. If it were just the elderly, I'd be saying that about you too. If it were just heterosexual couples, be the same thing. Better be monogamous right now. (laughs) 
because there's some things going on. But now you're not even allowed to say that stuff. World Health Organization did say it, at least. At least the World Health Organization, I mean, they, they deserve very little praise on anything. But at least they came out and said, gay men, change your behavior here. CDC wouldn't do it. Because the optics. You realize we live in a country that values political expediency over human beings. And how horrendously bad that is. At all levels. We've got a two-tier justice system at the federal level. Many people believe there's a two-tier justice system at the local level. Although most of that, not all, but most of that is based off of a lie. But that's what people feel. That's how they believe. That said that back. It's how they that's how they feel, that's what they believe. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Nobody trusts the election system anymore. Doesn't matter who wins. Nobody trusts it. And guess what? With good reason. With good reason. France had an election. We knew the results that night. We can't even get Maricopa County to count ballots right. Makes no sense. There's more people here, Casey. Yeah, we're talking about counties versus an entire nation. We're not talking about our country versus their country and counting votes. There is a rot in our society right now that must be cut out. And I'm not, because I know there's going to be somebody out there, because again, I gave you Exhibit A and Exhibit B in my panel discussion on on News Nation last week. There's going to be those lowest common denominators. That's violent rhetoric. I can play you montages of left-wing Democrats calling for violence, celebrating violence, and and, uh, excusing violence against conservatives and Republicans for going back a decade. None of that matters. There is an absolute rot in this country right now. At 5 o'clock, we're going to talk about some of the latest accusations against the FBI with the Trump raid. And if those are true, it wouldn't be the first time that it has happened, but if they're true, again, major, major problems with the FBI. Not the entire organization, but certainly the leadership. No doubt about that. And you can't help. You cannot help. But look at the Bureau and say, yeah, you guys probably need to go away right now. Like I said, my only concern is who replaces them? Where do those agents who are bad go? Where do the agents who are good go? We've got major, major issues. When the CDC comes out and tells you, yeah, we're not going to give you this information because we don't want you to have it. We're not going to give you that information because we don't want you to have it. Uh, We've been studying this from the very beginning. We ended up finding out the CDC didn't study it at all. Now the CDC is admitting that their guidance on COVID for uh, for uh, vaccinated and unvaccinated, but previously exposed natural immunity people, completely wrong. Natural immunity, every single study shows natural immunity is, is superior, as it is in every disease. Oh, natural immunity wears off. No, it doesn't. Turns out it's permanent. It's not 100% foolproof, but it turns out that that immunity doesn't go anywhere. But they lied to you about it. They lied to you and they manipulated your behavior. And then they expected you to doubt yourself while they got drunk on power. And I don't really have another answer for you. I know that people like Dr. Einters are drunk on power. I don't know about everybody else. More coming up. 95.3 MNC.
Yeah, I want to talk about something else, too. Speaking of rot. So, so people brought up to the IRS job posting, which we did discuss last week. So the IRS, you know, they put this job posting out there, must be willing to use deadly force and that sort of thing. And here's the thing. Like if, if you're armed, okay, if you're any kind of an armed individual, the implication of you potentially having to use deadly force is already there. You don't need to put it in an ad. And so I saw a, a local police officer post about this and they had some concerns about the advertisement, the way that it was worded. And I watched a bunch of people post underneath it. No, no, this is for their criminal investigation division. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, you sound like an idiot. My point last week was that if any police department, this is why I gave you the actual job listing for the Elkhart PD, any police department that advertised a position for you to become a police officer that said, must be willing to use deadly force, would have every BLM and Antifa and left-wing activist absolutely up in arms. They would lose their minds, okay? The IRS... Posting something like that, knowing that IRS agents have the ability to arrest you without a warrant. Did you know that? Did you know that, Ben? IRS agents can arrest you without a warrant on the suspicion that you might have committed a crime. They don't need to go to a judge. They don't need to be able to go ahead and get some kind of approval from some oversight committee. If the IRS agent with arresting powers thinks that you did something wrong, they can take you into custody. And considering the IRS's training for, you know, home raids and things like that, that video has come out now. And that's, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm not saying it isn't a possibility. The other thing that I have is if you have 200 rounds of ammo, you're an extremist. What do you need that much ammo for? You realize that the IRS has over 1,100 rounds of ammo per firearm that is in that agency? Why? Why does every, why does every gun at the IRS need 1,100 rounds of ammo. It's a lot of ammo. And we went over the statistics previously. I don't remember the details of them, but we went over the statistics previously about how many times IRS agents actually fire their weapon. It's like a couple times a year. It's like nothing. They don't need 1,100 rounds plus of ammo. It wasn't that they're armed and that they would have to potentially use deadly force if it's needed. It was the way the advertisement was worded and that the advertisement was seeking people who may be comfortable with deadly force, which is something that no police department in this country, state, city, federal, could ever get away with without activists losing their minds. Any police department who probably, hey, you're going to carry a gun, have a bulletproof vest, but you got to be willing to shoot some bad guys in the face, that would not fly with anybody, and it shouldn't fly with an IRS listing either. It isn't about the duties or who's actually going to be armed. It's about the wording of the of the advertisement because it would never be tolerated anywhere else. You got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, uh, Wyoming's primaries tomorrow. And Liz Cheney is allegedly down by 25 points in the latest poll. Uh, now, here's the thing, though. I want you to know. There are a lot of Democrats who are signing up as Republicans to vote for her. So we'll see how that actually goes. She's going to have a lot of Democrats voting for her. Uh, whether or not there's enough to overcome a 25 to 30 point margin, we'll see. 
Uh, new poll in Georgia, very bad for Stacey Abrams. It is even worse for Raphael Warnock. Uh, Raphael Warnock was he was sworn in in the Senate, and it was like the next week the dude was accused of of major voting issues, and he's just had scandal after scandal ever since then. Uh, let's see, John Fetterman. I don't know. It, and a lot of these people you may, you don't probably don't know. You'd probably know them uh, if they came up in a news cycle just because you see their images. He's that Pennsylvania Democrat. Well, he had a stroke, and he's back on the campaign trail. Um, he's not recovered yet. And and I mean this not in a, you know, the Republican should win sort of a way. He's not recovered yet. And I, I'll be honest with you. I am getting a little sick and tired of spouses allowing their significant other to go on these campaign trails when they are clearly not all right. And it's not just a Joe Biden thing. I mean, this is something we've seen show up many, many times over the past few years where you can, it's almost like you've got, you know, the wife who's really pushing because they want, they want to be, you know, in, in the Senate or the governor's mansion, what have you. Um, and really their husband is not, not ready to go. And Fetterman, he gave a, he gave a talk, gave a little campaign rally thing, and it was awful. I don't need to play you the audio. I don't want to. I don't want to embarrass him that way. I don't agree with the man's policies on virtually anything, but this is it's sad because he had a massive stroke. He's not a healthy guy. He's got a big tumor looking growth, or it could be a could be a cyst on the back of his neck that he's hiding now with a hoodie. Uh, he's not able to string together a sentence. He doesn't appear to be able to understand what he's saying. And and he just had a massive stroke. And he's back on the campaign trail. And I'm sorry it doesn't look good. His wife shouldn't allow him to be out there. And maybe she tried telling him not to, and he's pushing it anyway. I don't know. But it doesn't sit right with me. Uh, I, I, would, I would not want to be married to somebody who would do that because it's exploitative. It's It's not okay. He's not all right. Okay, he he needs he needs to bow out, and there needs to be some way for the Democrats to replace him. Uh, Ron DeSantis held a rally in Arizona. Massive barn burner. You know that he's the governor of Florida, right? So Arizona's like far away. Just saying, I'm just saying. Massive barn burner, hugely popular. Now, earlier today, one of the things that, um, <clears throat> oh yeah, Beto O'Rourke, <laughs> he had that laughable moment last week where he's lying about AR-15s again, and then he yelled at somebody after he did this, some stupid gesture that was totally laugh-worthy, and then he yelled at somebody about it. Um, his After he did that, where he used the F word to yell at somebody who was there for him in, in his rally... It doesn't look good for him either. So it's just, it's a mess for a lot of people right now. Now that the funerals are done from the tragic car accident that took Jackie Wilorski and Zach Potts and Emma Thompson and Edith Schmucker from us, uh, the political process is played out. And we've got several people announcing that they are running for the second district seat. And you've got, uh, Christy Stutzman on there. You got Rudy Yakum on there. You got Kurt Nisley on there. Curtis Hill is on there. There will be others, I'm told, 
I don't know that any of them have officially filed today since I mentioned this at the three o'clock hour, uh, but I'm told that there's going to be two to maybe three additional names that go on to that. So some heavy hitters are looking to get the seat. Jackie's husband, Dean, endorsed Rudy. Uh, Rudy Yakum is well-known in political circles. And uh, frankly, I expected Dean to endorse him. Uh, they've known each other for a long time. Rudy worked with, with Jackie extensively. So I expected that to happen. Uh, we did have some people call and pitch their candidate earlier today in the first hour of the program. And uh, there's you know some mixed feelings on all of this. What I did do earlier today, if you missed it, was I encouraged everybody because there's look, there's a lot of talented people here. I mean, a lot of talented people who are running for this. I encourage you, the candidates, and anybody who has earshot of the candidates who have filed and the candidates who will be filing. All I'm asking is to not make the same mistakes that Republicans and conservatives make all the time. Please don't go scorched earth. Don't go scorched earth. Don't do any of that. Um, This is not the time to do it anyway. But there's so many talented people who, frankly, I believe are going to be holding office in the future anyway, regardless of if they take over the second district. And whoever takes over the second district immediately has to run against the Democrat. So this is why this is all happening so fast. So the caucuses are on the 20th. This is the week. Um, I'm sure that this will be a hot topic, and I'm sure that people will be asking my opinions at Pass the Mic this Friday at Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill. So... This week on the 19th, Friday, noon, Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill, pass the mic. And I'm sure that people are going to be asking me all sorts of stuff. I've told you before, there is somebody that I am supporting. I am remaining neutral on the show. That is my official position to be fair to everybody because I know a lot of the people involved and uh, I wish them all well. So I'm remaining neutral here. There is a candidate that I have in mind. You should know that it's, I'm only doing that for transparency's sake. So uh, if you pick up on it, you pick up on it. I'm going to do my best to not. Okay. And I don't know how much this is going to come up over the next week. We'll, we'll see. Okay. It all depends on how things kind of shake up with the campaigning and, and that sort of stuff. Um, but just don't cross lines. Don't burn bridges because you're probably going to need each other in the future and you're probably going to be working together in the future. So I'm just asking for people to not do that. You know, we, we tend to, particularly locally in St. Joseph County, we tend to go scorched earth on each other and bridges get burned. Talented people never find a way back to uh, to running for office again because nobody wants to work with them because they don't trust them. So I'm just saying, please don't let it get to that point. Too many good people, they're running for a seat that nobody wants to be running for right now. Um, don't let your emotions get get the best of you. So there's a... It's 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 a tough time. The turnaround on this is too fast. Everybody knows it's too fast, but there's a deadline that has to be met. So the caucuses, again, are going to be on the 20th. Uh, anybody involved in that already knows that. So the 20th is going to happen. Of course, we'll have all that stuff covered over the weekend, and then we'll do an analysis of it on Monday. And then I'm sure it's going to come up at Pass the Mic on Friday, and I'm sure open lines, people are going to be asking me about it. And I'm happy to address any questions or anything like that. Then, in the meantime, I'm remaining neutral. Okay, So, pass the mic. 
Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill this Friday noon. We're upstairs. So you come in to the front door. You see those stairs there. You go upstairs. That's where we do the show. So make sure you're there this Friday. We got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Oh, yeah. I also forgot Liz Cheney's husband's law firm is representing Hunter Biden in the uh, the grand jury probe against him. I forgot to mention that. I'll play you the the Nancy Pelosi clip that I wanted to play for you. It's a few years old. I used to play it all the time in the show. It's been a while since I played it, but I think it's relevant to what I was talking about at the end of the 4 o'clock hour. So the latest information that we have about the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, and again, it was a raid... The Department of Justice allegedly seized privileged attorney-client materials. This is not the first time that we have had this happen. In fact, the Obama administration, every time they acted on somebody, they always took attorney-client privileged documents. So this is a major issue. You're not supposed to have access to those. You're not supposed to take those. This is a problem. The DOJ allegedly took materials that contain privileged attorney-client communications in its raid last Monday on former President Donald Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago. The claim reported by Fox News raises new questions about the DOJ's tactics as well as doubts about whether the DOJ would be able to use any of the seized materials in a hypothetical prosecution of the former president. Cash Patel believes that this is about uh, pretending to actually investigate while not actually investigating. The What Cash Patel thinks this is, is he thinks that this is a purely a strategy to, because this is based on classified information, you now seal all the documents, and therefore you can't see any of the Trump-Russia collusion documents because it's pending an investigation, and then Trump can't use them for political reasons when he runs for a re-election because you won't be able to see the documents. That's what Cash Patel believes this is. Uh, so a lot of people believe that Trump was waiting for a potential re-election to launch all of the things that he's learned about the fake Trump-Russia collusion hoax and who's involved with it and everything else. So now, theoretically, if there's an investigation and it involves classified government documents with top secret and everything else, then you can't release those documents to the public, which would deny Donald Trump from being able to tell you what he learned about in that investigation. Because remember, they launched their own probe. Cash Patel headed up that probe and they learned a lot about it. So that's the theory that Cash Patel has. Cash Patel, super smart guy, tends to know what he's talking about. Trump also sent, uh, hold on, there's a new media conspiracy before we get to that. Um, Donald Trump is either in the clear following the FBI raid on his Florida home, depending on who you ask, or he's in the, headed to the gallows. How many times have I played you the montage that this is the final bombshell, this is the final nail in the coffin for Trump? How many times have I played you that montage over the years? Lots, right? And I think I only play you a couple of minutes of it, and the thing goes for like 10 you have every member of the news media, Democrats going, this is it. This is fine. Trump's finally done. He can't come back from this. And of course he did. Because the story was nonsense. There were always fake scandals. There were never real ones. Obama had real scandals. And at the end of his presidency, the media pretended that he was a scandal-free president. And Trump had no real scandals. And they pretended he's the most scandal-ridden president in history. Which is hysterical considering the Clinton era, but I digress. So, basically... What they're saying now is that Trump was hiding documents, and that's why they subpoenaed all of his CCTV for 60 days. So all of his internal surveillance, 
They subpoenaed that for 60 days. So that way they could watch the Trump team moving documents out of Mar-a-Lago. Right. Uh, uh, Okay. I still want to know what's on the personal note that Trump wrote that they seized. I wonder what that's about. So anyway, um, (laughs) uh, New York Times, according to their sources, air quote, the FBI subpoenaed 60 days worth of surveillance footage from Mar-a-Lago. Why? Because it supposedly shows Trump associates, and you may want to sit down for this, moving boxes. You know, it's... <laughs> More on this in a, in a... Well, it's not the same thing, but it's kind of tied to it in just a minute. Trump also sent a personal message to the Attorney General Merrick Garland. He did this before Merrick Garland's press release. Or, well, his press conference, I should say. Former President Donald Trump allegedly sent a private message to U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland before the Department of Justice press conference on Thursday afternoon appearing to ask what he could do to help bring down the political tensions that were brought to a boiling point last week following the FBI's raid on Trump's home in Florida. Shortly before the press conference, a person close to the former president reached out to an official at the Department of Justice to deliver a message to Garland. According to the New York Times, the message that Trump wanted to pass to Garland was, quote, the country is on fire. What can I do to reduce the heat? That's according to the New York Times, not according to me or Trump's team or whatever. That's according to the New York Times, okay? Now, there's going to be a time. There's going to be a time where people are going to have to take a step back and go, okay, my tribalism is not going to allow my confirmation bias to be supported here. The Department of Justice is now going after thousands of Secret Service employees. Why? Because of January 6th. So you're now in a position, if you are a J6 acolyte, you are now in a position where you have to decide if you're going to defend the DOJ going after thousands of Secret Service employees and their cell phone records, Or if you're going to go, okay, this doesn't really make a lot of sense. The FBI has already investigated this. We've got Trump on camera calling for peaceful protest, not violence. Uh, At what point in time do we stop? Because now you're having one agency go after another. So which, which agency are you with? The Department of Justice has requested the personal cell phone numbers of more than 2,000 U.S. Secret Service employees as a part of their investigation of the J6 Capitol riot. An investigation, again, that the FBI has already concluded had no criminal activity from Trump or his interfere at all. The DOJ's request is not limited to those who were in the vicinity of the protests, as it includes employees who were neither at the ellipse, where then-President Donald Trump held the rally, or on the street. Okay? So they're not just going after Secret Service agents who were there for January 6th. They're going after other Secret Service agents who were nowhere near January 6th. Not the riot, not the president's speech, nothing. So, again, at some point, they're going to overplay their hand and people are going to have to make a decision. Given that both the Justice Department and Secret Service are federal agencies, the Secret Service will likely have to comply with the request. If they do not, the DOJ could formally demand the phone numbers via grand jury subpoena. Now, I would like to remind everybody that the Secret Service does have a history of uh, destroying cell phone data as do most government bureaucracies. So does the DOJ. 
It had previously been reported that the House January 6th committee had asked for the personal phone numbers as well and that the Secret Service complied. Uh, Larry Cosby, president of the Federal Law Enforcement Association, blasted the Secret Service uh, for going along with this, as he probably should have. Uh, Cosby said that because the Secret Service did not have policies or protocols for retaining the employees' electronic communications, they released their private numbers instead. So again, these are the agent's personal phone numbers. Their personal phone numbers. Quote, to compensate for their failure, USSS executive leadership provided congressional oversight entities, USSS employees' personal cell phone numbers from employee personal personnel records. These personal records were released without the employee's consent, he said. Again, not their government phone numbers, their personal numbers. And the Department of Justice is seeking the exact same thing. Why not? I mean, you already got, uh, you already got the January 6th committee getting them. Why not have the DOJ have them? Seems like a good way to weed out agents that you don't want around, right? That litmus test thing that we've been talking about. Doesn't seem convenient? Of course it does. I'm going to play you a clip here. Cue my audio, please. This is, I don't know, half a dozen years or so ago, um, 2016, 2017, Nancy Pelosi. And I want you to just listen to what Nancy Pelosi says and see if this doesn't sound familiar. So they focus on something else. And it's a diversionary tactic. It's a self-fulfilling problem. You demonize, and then you, it, we call it the wrap-up smear. If you want to talk politics, you call it the wrap-up smear. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest, and then you merchandise it. And then you write it, and they'll say, see, it's reported in the press that this, 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 and this. So they have that validation that the press reported the smear, and then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm going to merchandise the press's report on the smear that we made. Uh Uh-huh. Sound familiar. MNC News Time is 531. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Uh, we'll get into a couple of things um, involving Telegram and Twitter. And... Yeah, we'll start with the Twitter one here in a second. But first, I got to tell you about Balance of Nature, a proprietary blend of 32 real fruits, real vegetables. This is non-GMO, organic, vegan-friendly. You're going to get your full daily allotment of fruits and vegetables when you get Balance of Nature. comes in two bottles. Fruits and veggies are separate. Take three pills of each one. You've got all of your fruits and vegetables from that day. And again, this is real food. It's, it's not a chemical. It's not something that was created in a lab. It's real food that is, you know, flash frozen, ground up, put into capsule form. So you get all the vitamins and the nutrients that you would get if you were eating these fruits and veggies in a normal meal throughout the day. And you don't have to worry about meal planning, meal prepping, or consuming things that maybe you don't like the taste of, but are really good for you. Go to balanceofnature.com, use promo code Laura, that's L-A-U-R-A, that's Laura Smith from Michiana's Morning News, Use promo code Laura and you'll save 35% at balanceofnature.com. Okay, some leaked chats have been released. So once again, this is going to be one of those things that forces you, maybe your confirmation bias, and I'm talking to the non-totalitarian left here. I'm talking to those of you who might be left-wing, but you're somewhat reasonable, okay? 
at some point in time, your your confirmation bias is going to have to be accounted for. Is it worth the DOJ going after the personal cell phone numbers and records of 2,000 Secret Service agents, including those who were not anywhere near President Trump's speech on January 6th and were not anywhere near the Capitol on January 6th? Does that seem reasonable to you that the Department of Justice would do that? If this rumor is true that the DOJ had the FBI confiscate privileged attorney-client documents from Mar-a-Lago, does that sound reasonable to you? And let me ask you this. The Biden administration pushing Twitter to ban Alex Berenson. Does that seem reasonable to you? Who's Alex Berenson, former New York Times journalist who has written extensively about a lot of things. He is a journalist, folks. This isn't somebody who's never been heard of or is a blogger. That would be bad enough if the White House was involved in this. But this is somebody who's a prestigious journalist. The White House was pushing Twitter to ban him, and they did, and he sued, and he won. Newly released internal messages between Twitter staff show show them discussing on April 2021 in a meeting with the White House where the Biden administration reportedly pushed for the journalist and author Alex Berenson to be booted from the platform before Twitter banned him. The White House is actively telling social media platforms who to ban, not just content, but specific individuals. And those specific individuals, in this case, happen to be credentialed journalists. So, once again, the Obama administration hacked into journalists' personal computers and stole documents from them. The Obama administration actually blacklisted entire media outlets, as well as individual journalists. The Obama administration also spied on other journalists. Okay, that was the Obama administration. Now the Biden administration is actively seeking to cancel journalists on social media platforms. Name one journalist Trump did that to. Name one thing that Trump did that actually attacked journalists in the United States other than saying, yeah, fake news. Name one thing. He didn't. He didn't. The Obama administration attacked free press. The Biden administration has attacked a free press. Trump never did other than to call them out for lying about him and other issues. Whether you approved how he did that or not is irrelevant. Berenson was banned from Twitter for violating his COVID-19 misinformation rules, although he has been completely vindicated four months later in August of 2021. So in April of 2021, the Biden White House says, we want this former New York Times journalist banned from your platform. Four months later, they do it. Berenson responded by suing Twitter in December of 2021 with a lawsuit accusing the tech giant of acting, quote, on behalf of the federal government in censoring and barring him from access to its platform. Berenson's account was subsequently reinstated in July of 2022 after both parties settled the censorship lawsuit. The internal messages were published by Berenson and show April 22nd, 2021 discussions between Twitter employees on the business messaging app Slack. Berenson said that he obtained the message as part of a lawsuit, his lawsuit against Twitter. In one of the Slack messages, a Twitter employee says their meeting with the White House was pretty good, but they had one really tough question about why Alex Berenson hasn't been kicked off from the platform. What would happen, ladies and gentlemen? What would happen? If you had 
Again, for you liberals out there, be honest with yourself. How would you have reacted if Donald Trump had demanded Jonathan Carl from ABC be banned from Twitter after fabricating the Trump wants to want you to inject bleach lie? What would your reaction have been? How would you have responded if Donald Trump sat there and said, I want this guy off of Twitter. I want him off of Facebook. He lied about me. He made this story up. Why hasn't he been banned yet? You would have all lost your minds about an attack on a free press and a gross abuse of power by a president, and you know it. This right here should be a lead, not the, but a leading story today in all media outlets that the White House, not just on messaging or fake news or misinformation, specifically targeted a credentialed journalist to be banned from a platform because they didn't like what he's reporting, even though everything he reported ended up being true. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. All right, so I, I teased something in the live stream title today that I want to skip until tomorrow because I need to give it its, its due. And if you're Catholic, you know, I tried telling people that they were going to come for Christians. It wasn't just conservatives or anything like that. They were going to come for Christians and Christian symbols to make them radical symbols, and they are coming for Catholics. So I'm going to save this for tomorrow. So I apologize about the misleading title on the live stream today. But if you're Catholic, you're going to want to hear the show tomorrow because you are, they're coming for you. They are absolutely coming for you. Um, and a, uh, a child predator, right after he was found guilty in a court of law, fatally poisoned himself. I wish more would do that. Save us the time and the effort and the money. But uh, it happened in Texas. So somehow he, he found a way to poison himself. And I, I don't really care if they investigate that all that much, to be honest with you. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow.